Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. Let's pray as we come before our great God. Father, the words in front of us, the words in your Bible, are useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So we pray we come before you now with a humble heart, ready to hear, to be changed, and to gaze upon your beauty and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's very hard to grasp how deep the ocean is. You stand on the edge of the ocean and you look out across the depths of the water, out to the horizon. It's very hard to grasp how much water is really in the ocean. The average depth of the ocean is 4,000 metres. At some points, the ocean is 11,000 metres. And so if you were to stand there with, a, with your bucket and to try and empty it, you'd be trying for a long time. You would never finish because the ocean, it's limitless, it's incomprehensible. That is like God's love towards us. God's love towards you, towards me, it is mind-blowing. It is limitless. It's incomprehensible. That is God's love. And so this morning we're going to be doing something a bit different. I'm going to share for a little bit and then Diana will take over. And our prayer is that as we leave this morning, we will have this appreciation, this awe of how much God loves us. We've been looking at a theme verse this term where God describes his character. It's in Exodus 34, and God says this about his love. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. That word abounding in love is a very important Hebrew word. It's a beautiful word. It's the word hesed. Hesed. It's describing a love that is not like your love. It's not like my love. It's describing the steadfast love of God. That's what some Bibles say. Other Bibles translate it as the loyal love of God or the unfailing love of God. It's describing the fact that God's love is boundless. It is It is never-ending, it is steadfast, it is unfailing, unchanging. It's a a promise-keeping love. God has made a covenant with his people in the Old Testament, a covenant that is unbreakable. And so his love here, his hesed love, is this promise-keeping, never-failing, never-broken love. Steadfast. I love what Sally Lloyd-Jones says in her kids' uh, Bibles. She describes it as the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That is God's hesed towards you, towards me. And I think this is really important because you think about it, our love towards God fails all the time, doesn't it? We break God's commands. We break his holy laws, our love towards God goes up and down, but God's love towards us never fails. It's constant. Just two chapters before, the Israelites worshipped the golden calf, committed the greatest sin of idolatry, and God's love 
is steadfast. There's only one constant in your life. There's only one constant love. The love of your friends and your husband or your wife or your colleagues or your parents, they will fail. It will fluctuate. It will be imperfect. But God's love, steadfast, unchanging, never giving up, always and forever. That is the essence of who God is. Now, what I'd love you to do is turn to Psalm 136. I don't know if we've got the page number up on the screen. Or maybe someone can... Oh, there, 535, page 535. Psalm 136. In this psalm, the word hesed comes up 26 times. 26 times the psalmist talks about the never-ending, never-failing, unbreaking, always and forever love of God. And what I'd love us to do is to read this. I'm going to read this, the parts that aren't in italics, and I'd love you to read the parts that are in italics. Because this psalm was designed, it was written to have people respond. It was written for the people to respond with thanksgiving for God's steadfast love with joy, with celebration. Now, normally when we do this, what I don't want you to do is just drone, his love endures forever, okay? Because I know you're going to do that, okay? So I'm getting in now and giving you warning that I want, I want enthusiasm. I want celebration, okay? Because that's what we're doing. We're celebrating and we're reflecting with thankfulness on God's steadfast, never-failing, never-ending God. So let's, let's do this. I know it's repetitive, but that's kind of the point because we're meditating on God's steadfast love. Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That's good. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. His love and brought Israel through the midst of it. His love but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love to him who led his people through the wilderness. His love to him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our lowest state. And freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. 
Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Great work. Take some stamina. 26 times the psalmist wants us to meditate on the hesed love of God, unfailing, never changing, constant and loyal. Let's walk through it really quickly. Firstly, we see God's steadfast, loyal, enduring love in that he is good. Verse 1 to 3, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He's the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. That's where we see God's steadfast, loyal God. He's better than all the other little G gods. He is the God and his love endures forever. Number two, we see the steadfast, never failing, loyal love of God in the way he made the world. Verse 4 to 9 describes God making the world, and the order is the same as Genesis 1 and 2 when God made the world at the beginning. To him alone who does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth on the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. Why did God make the world? He didn't make the world because he was bored. He didn't make the world because he needed a little hobby. He made it out of love, an expression of his steadfast, unfailing love. Number three, we see this loyal, steadfast love in his rescue. God rescues us. Verse 10 talks about how God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He brought them out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He divided the Red Sea. And that shows his loyal, steadfast love. Why did God rescue them? Not because they were good, not because they were impressive, but because of his steadfast love. Why has God rescued you? If you're a Christian, you have been rescued from sin, from death. Why did he do it? Don't for one second lull yourself into thinking that you are rescued because you are a good person. It is because of his unfailing, never giving up love that he rescued us. Number four. We see his steadfast love in his protection. Verse 16 talks about how he protected his people. As he brought them to the promised land, he struck down those who opposed the Israelites, the mighty kings that stood in their way. He protected them. His love endures forever. And lastly, we see his steadfast, unfailing love in the way he provides for us. Verse 23, he remembered us in our lowest state. You see how all of a sudden he changes to us? He's been talking about in the past about what God's done. Here he changes to us. He's applying it to himself. He remembered us in our lowest state, freed us from our enemies, and gives food to every creature. That's how God, he, he remembers us, that word remember isn't just like a mental acknowledgement. When he remembers us, he sees our needs. He sees us and he does something about our concerns and our problems because he loves us. 
He gives us all that we need. The fact that we have food for every human to eat on the planet, enough food, is a sign of his steadfast, committing love. So this psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving. It begins and ends with thanksgiving. God's love, his faithfulness, his never stopping, never failing, never giving up love. We see it in all of these things, creation, rescue, protection, provision. And most of all, where do we see the hesed of God? The never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking forever love. Where do we see it? We see it in Jesus of the cross. Jesus went to the cross because he loves you. He wanted to rescue you, to die for your sins. God gave up the most precious thing to him, his son, because he loves you that much. And so, friends, you need to know that just like the ocean, God's love for you is limitless. You get a bucket, you'll never drain it. It's bottomless. And when you fail, it continues. He keeps loving you. He remains faithful to his promises, always ready to forgive. You will never drain or use up the love of God. So if that is our God, the Hesed God, the love, the steadfast, loyal love, how shall we respond? Because, of course, we want to be like our God, don't we? How do we be loving people in response? I'm going to hand over to the wonderful Diana to help us think through that. Thanks, Diana. Pop, I thank you. <laughs> so, as a child, I was a handful. Now, okay, you might feel like, oh, you know, we get a bit distractions here and there. We see kids running around in the service. But uh, let me assure you, I could be 10 of those kids all in one. So I, um, if ADHD was a thing when I grew up, I'm, I'm certain that I would have that diagnosis. Now, while my hyperactivity gave my late mums lots of headaches and caused her a lot of trips to my school because I would get in trouble, um, it does have an upside, and it gives me a very vivid imagination. So as a child, I used to love um, the progressive type of uh, composition, you know, writing progressive stories where the teachers would give you the beginning of a story, and then you, you're asked to finish writing it, extending it. Well, luckily, all was not lost. I still have some of that in me. So when I read Psalm 136, which Andrew has just unpacked for us when we, you, you all read very wonderfully together, I wonder if I could keep extending that psalm and keep it going. Now, surely I'll include lots of different other Bible narratives in them, such as, for example, you know, give thanks to the Lord of Lords. The slides will come up. Who gave Solomon great wisdom? And you're, you're supposed to say, Wonderful. Who by his mighty power protected Daniel from the lions in the den? Who by his grace and kindness spared Nineveh from his judgment by sending Jonah the prophet to warn them? Wonderful. 
throughout history, God has done many amazing things out of His hazard love. But 1 John 4 tells us clearly that if you're ever in doubt, um, that God's love can be seen on the cross. And so the great extension, the climax of extending Psalm 136 is to read, um, is in 1 John 4, chapter, uh, verses 9 to 10. Who out of his love sent his one and only Son into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sin? His love endures forever. There's so many stories in the Bible that we've read, and we'll be listing them out to extend that. But the primary one that we want to focus on is this one, when Jesus died on the cross for us. That's how God has that steadfast love looks like. So friends, if you're sitting here and you're still wondering what that means, why Jesus needs to die on the cross, and why his death has something to do with you, Please make sure you speak to Andrew and I after church, after the service. As we have lunch, we would love to talk to you more about that. But then if you're sitting here, knowing this truth, knowing that Jesus has died for you, that God, out of his love, has sent his son to die on your behalf for your sin, then have you ever thought of being like Moses in Deuteronomy? And after all, he spent the whole book in Deuteronomy, giving speeches to the second-generation Israelites, where the kids from those who have um, been rescued from Egypt, Moses spent the whole book retelling God's work in their history, what God has done for them. So if we were like Moses, and we've got a future generations listening to us, asking us what we're going to tell them, how are we recounting that story, retelling the work of God in our lives? what would you include? Now, I'll share some of mine. Mine might look like something like this. So who, out of mercy, up on the slide, changed the heart of my father 10 days before he departed the world, this world, and granted him eternal life? His love endures forever. Who brought a laid-back, handsome badaggy but joyful and mature Christian man to be my husband 22 years ago to show his grace, God's grace, towards me through him at the back there on a daily basis. His love endures forever. Who gave me the privilege of carrying his children inside my womb, including one unborn, and keeps teaching me how to entrust them to him. His love endures forever. Friends, I can go on and on and on. And I'm sure you can too. Whatever our versions of this extension of us, uh, Psalm 136 might be, I think there's only one conclusion, and that's in the psalm. At verse 26, it says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Give thanks. That's our primary and probably the only response we can give. Now, one of the ways I keep up with my four teenage children is to learn how to use AI. Okay. So as I prepare for today, I asked ChatGTP, what does feeling thankful look like? And here is what it says. It says, feeling thankful is a positive, heartwarming emotion that arises when you recognize and appreciate the kindness, support or blessing you've received from others or from circumstances in your life. 
It's a blend of gratitude, contentment, and often a sense of indebtedness to those who have contributed to your well-being or happiness. So that's ChatGDP. Now, one of the things I teach my teenage children about the use of AI is you can never just copy and paste it. I've got educators here. I'm sure you agree. Um, you've got to come up with something of your own. And so I'm going to suggest to you that there are two aspects. When I, when I wonder, when I think of being thankful, there are two aspects of it. I think there is an internal aspect and there's an external one. So for the internal one, I call that the arch effect. Helps me remember. So A stands for awareness. Well, us being thankful will help us to be mindful of God's blessings in our life, His loving presence, His protection, His provisions. Now, R, it stands for relational, relational connection. Being thankful helps us to be connected with God more closely. We'll be motivated to pray and to praise more. C, I mean contentment. So that's part of what GTP says as well. Our thankfulness helps shift the focus from what we might be lacking in our lives to what we already have and cherish. We can echo what David says in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. H stands for humility. Our thankfulness to God should humble us because we come to realize that we actually have achieved nothing on our own but every good and perfect gift is from above. It's said in James chapter 1, verse 17. So that's the ex internal part, where we're thankful, how that might have an impact on us, but it also has an impact externally in our action. And that's why, where 1 John 4 comes in, that we can love one another. In verse 11, it says, Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 19, we love because He first loved us. Verse 21, and He has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. While Talayi had done a great job reading 1 John 4 to us, um, if you're following those verses 7 to 21, it might sound quite repetitive, isn't it? Say, like, the word love appears 27 times in those 15 verses, and God, the word God, um, appears 21 times. It seems like it's all going round and round, but the message is very clear. God is love. He first loved us. If we know God, have experienced His love, then we will love God in response by loving one another. Friends, have you noticed that something very special happens if we love one another? First John 4, um, in verse 12, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. God's love, His hazard, unfailing, never-changing, faithful, steadfast loyal love. That has it is made complete in us when we love one another. Isn't that mind-blowing? It's like you and I getting an invitation, um, like these scenarios here on the screen, you and I getting an inv invitation from the Louvre Museum, asking us to go there. Just add a few strokes 
to make Mona Lisa, um, that paint, painting complete, to make it complete. Or it's like you and I getting an invitation to Berkshire Hathaway to add a few ideas to the investment strategy that Warren Buffett has come up with so that we can make it complete. Or it's like you and I getting an invitation to add a few variables to make Albert Einstein's famous equation, E equals MC squared, complete. It's like what Andrew's saying, the bucket versus the ocean. It's that radical and it's that mind-blowing. God's unfailing love, the ocean, faithful, loyal, steadfast, is made complete when us love one another with our very selective, conditional, ever-changing, selfish, temporary, limited love. That little bucket we have, we tip it over a vast ocean of water and, and we can make that complete. That is radical and mind-blowing. So going back to the versions of extending Psalm 136, as we give thanks to the God of heaven, like what it says, both internally and externally, we are, by loving one another, we are making God's steadfast, faithful, loyal love complete in us. God led us humans to be partners in making the circuit of his love complete when his love is already self-sufficient. It's hazard. So friends, if that's how significant our loving one another is, isn't it super important that we think through how we're going to do that? How can we get better at loving one another? So at this point, I'm going to invite Sue. Many of you would have known Sue um, to come up um, just to share a little bit about her experience. Um, so Sue is married to David Still Smith, and they have two adult sons, Matt and Will. Sue is also a proud grandma to Theo and Jasper. Come forward. Um, she works in Ally Health Education, and the Still Smiths has been at church in this Trinity Chapel since 1986. Some of you might not have been born. I was born by then. <laughs> so Sue, can you tell us in what ways have you experienced being loved by God's people? Thanks, Diana. Um, there's just so many. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's just so many ways. Um, I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget some of them. Um, so people sharing their lives with me, being prayed for. Thank you, Maggie. People checking in with me, either in person or in text. Practical assistance, um, like meals when I broke my wrist. And also people who cook for me just because I like to um, eat and they like to cook. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me for coffee walking with me, sometimes doing both at the same time, <laughs> letting me invite myself and others to their home, Hudson and Kathleen, <laughs> giving me lifts, saying yes when I ask for help, coming to the funerals of my parents, even though they never met them, this side of heaven, very precious, letting me hold their babies when I feel sad, by people turning up to both church and church events. All of these things um, has been ways that God has shown his love to me through all of you. <laughs> so in what ways have you loved others people as well? Well, I was thinking on this. I've been texting back and forth to Diana, poor Diana, lots of texts. Um, I feel like there's a really strong connection between 
feeling God's love from his people and expressing it to other people. And it just, it's not easy to separate as such because I think as you love people, you feel God's love in some of those ways. So that's been really precious. So some of those things in the list above are some ways that I've loved people. Um, just a couple of examples. Um, sometimes I, like I keep track of um, Bible verses that have encouraged me. I write them in my phone because my memory is really bad. And I've texted those Bible verses at times to friends who are going through tricky times when they're you know, sitting with their mum who's dying. And they've told me that that was helpful and helps them to know God's love at those times. But it also reminds me of God's love. So every time I send one of those precious verses that at the time I wrote them down were precious, it also reinforces it with me. So that's the to and fro of that. I'm also a bit inclined to hang out in hospitals. <laughs> um, I've worked in health for 40 years and a lot of that was in hospitals. It's a very comfortable place for me. But I also know it's a really boring place to be and often a lot of waiting. And sometimes that waiting with people in hospitals or in doctors' um, waiting rooms gives time to share lives with those people and that's a really precious gift to me. God has taught me that he uses his people, all of you, to show his love to his people. Um, and there's a quote that I came across recently that I found to be true. The usual way that God helps us in our darkest moments is by placing another Christian to be in our darkness with us. I don't know if you've come across that yourselves, but it's something I found very true. So there are many times um, there's nothing you can do for a friend who's going through a tough time, but we can love, care and walk alongside God's family and show his love to them by doing it. Sometimes we assume that people want to be left alone when they're going through a tough time and sometimes that's true, but often they appreciate some company in that darkness. Mm. So... Um, can you think of any examples where Christians can be uh, well-intended, but sometimes we might not be doing something that's helpful or saying something that's helpful? This is always tricky. Um, and I was reflect reflecting on this with Diana as well. Um, the examples are mostly in times of grief. And grief isn't always when someone dies. It can be grief at a loss of a job or a loss of an opportunity or a loss of many things. Um, and grieving is quite complex because everyone um, grieves differently. But sometimes in that sort of situation, people say nothing and, and just give you space, like walk away. And sometimes they say things that aren't really super helpful because we're all different in the way that we do that. Um, but I think both of those situations, people are trying to be supportive. They just don't know what to say. So I actually think it's okay to say to someone, I don't know what to say, um, I'm thinking of you. Um, if you don't have the words, saying nothing can feel very isolating. Um, and sometimes a hug can say this. Um, that's providing both you and they are hug people. <laughs> um, I'd suggest checking first. So <laughs> I generally say to people, is it okay if I hug you? Because there are some people in the world. I have a daughter-in-law who does not like to be hugged. And extended members of our family hug her anyway just to annoy her. But in that situation... <laughs> So I'm conscious there are non-hugging people in the world. 
Your daughter-in-law is Asian by background. I'm guessing. She is indeed yeah, Asian well, by background. I'm not. A hug, I'm not hugging a hug person, but I will. I'm getting better. So yeah. she hugs. It's okay. She hugs her children. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I assume she hugs my son, but we won't go there. How can we get better at loving one another? From all that we've shared. Um. Well, I think we can, and I, again, was reflecting on this. Um, I think my default is I think about what I need and want um, rather than other people, and that may be the case for others as well. But I think we can get better at loving by listening to God's prompting to do so. Um, and I find that really precious when sometimes I pray for people um, and then God prompts me to text them at that point in time, and sometimes that's a point in time when they really need it. So listening and responding rather than going, oh, it's too busy or I'm later or whatever like that. So listening to God's prompting is something. And I actually think we get better at everything we practice. So the more we do anything, we get better at it. Mm. So what are some That's of the, the OT in me. <laughs> all the OTs in the room. Lovely. What, what are some of the skills you think we need to be mindful of? Um, I was reflecting on this. I think the process of um, taking some of those opportunities to love people when I can has taught me patience. Um, it's taught me to share God's word in the verse situation that I talked about. It's taught me to be just a little bit less selfish because I'm thinking of other people. Still not a long way to go there. And also to say yes when people offer to help us. I think that's really hard. I've found it really hard to say yes when people offer help because I think, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, but saying yes is, very, um, is a skill that's worth practising. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. How about let's... Um Pray. Give thanks a big clap. Uh, Sue, a big clap. Thank you for sharing with us. There's a lot of wisdom in there, and it's a good thing for us to chill on. So, how about we close in prayer? Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, God, for showing us and reminding us of how amazing is your hazard. We thank you for Sue, and thank you for many others among us who are very thoughtful and willing to love one another. Father, we pray that through the power of your Spirit, we are able to remain thankful to you at all times. Help us to be aware of your many blessings in our lives, to be remained connected to you, to be content in you alone, and to stay humble before you always. Heavenly Father, thank you for Sue. Thank you for others who have shown us what practically love looks like, and other Christians in our path to love us and care for us. Thank you for giving us this amazing privilege and honour to make your love complete in us by us practising the act of love for others. So we pray, as a body of Christ, we can all get better at doing that. And we thank you that in your grace, you forgive us when we often don't do well at loving others. In Christ's precious name we pray.